Well, let me say this. You have picked a great day to be at Calvary because we're starting a new series entitled Legos. What it means to live the Lego life. You know, a number of years ago, my son Drew and I, we, we bought this Legos set, right? And it was a, it was, it was a, a Ferrari car, really incredibly cool. And, uh, and so we, we started to put this thing together. It took some time to put it together. And as we got close to the end, what we discovered was this. It was missing some pieces. And so we put this car together and for the longest time, it sat on uh, the shelf in my son's room. And, and from the right angle, from a distance, it looked outstanding. However, if you were to pick it up and turn it, you would notice that there were elements of this car that were absolutely gone. You know what I've discovered? The more time that I spend around people, here's what I've discovered. I've discovered this, that we tend to look really good from a distance. He who's been done a good work in you will continue that work until it's the day of completion. And until we are, the Bible uses this term, until we are perfected, right? And, and what that means is it means this. It means lacking nothing. And, and, and God gives us a, a wonderful description of, of what that life is to look like. In, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, he says, I want to encourage you to no longer live the way that the world lives. I want to encourage you to no longer live according to just the natural fleshly desires. But instead, I want you to live by the Spirit. And when you live by the Spirit, what you'll find is this, is you'll find that a lot of those tricks and traps that the enemy uses to try to keep us bound, to try to keep you bound, that they tend to fall along the wayside. And, and then he gives this wonderful descriptor to where we have an understanding of what it means to live by the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and he describes these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And so for the next nine weeks, we're going to focus on those nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's, here are some, some, just some, some statements that I want to give you to, that really, I believe, will form the foundation of this nine-week journey. And number one is this, is that belief does not equal behavior. Let me say that again. Belief does not equal, simply uh, equal behavior. Because here's the Word of God says. It says that we're supposed to not simply be hearers of the Word, but that we're supposed to be doers of the word. And friends, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that out of this, that what God wants to do is God wants to do some reforming in our lives. God wants to do some repositioning in our relationships. And God wants to bring some restoration in the journey that he has for each one of us. That includes you. It also includes me. The second, the second statement that I want to make that I believe that is a foundation for our nine-week journey is this, is that service does not equal pleasing God. Let me say that again. Service does not equal pleasing God. Understand that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. The gift of eternal life, it's that. It is a gift. The third a foundational statement that I want to make is this, is that taking a stand does not equal changing society. Let me give that to you again, because I believe it's, it's an, an important principle to understand, that taking a stand does not equal changing society. We live in a day, we live in an age, we live in a time 
where siege mentality has taken over our culture. And friends, that will gain notoriety in the moment. But here's what I can absolutely guarantee you. History bears this out. And when people look back on 2018, history will once again bear it out that taking a stand is not what changes a society. It is a shift, an absolute shift in culture. And friends, that's what God has always been about. And that's what God will always be about. And the shift in culture that's needed is this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See, that's what's needed. And so God doesn't need a church to take a stand. It needs a church to get on its knees. And friends, that only happens when we have a healthy understanding of who we are a healthy disposition towards the God that has created us and a healthy outlook on the life that he's called us to live. And that's the reason why it's important that we honestly understand and embrace the issues in our life where there are missing pieces and allow God to do this forming work in us that that allows us then to be this witness that he's called us to be in the world and to live the life the, the fulfilling life that he has intended for each, each one of us. Now, two more things real quickly before we get into love. <clears throat> Number one is this. Oftentimes when people talk about the fruit of the Spirit, they'll talk about the various fruits of the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to know that is an inaccurate understanding of what it says in Galatians chapter 5. See, when when the Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when he wrote, when he wrote Galatians, he, he, he wrote this. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit. He does not say, but the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, that, that word that he uses, when, when, when Paul wrote, he did not write in English. He wrote in Greek. And, and in the original Greek language, the word that he wrote there, it's very specific in that it is a singular noun. Now, in the Greek language, there's a different word that is a plural noun if you wanted to talk about fruits. So, what Paul does is this, is he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is important for us to understand because oftentimes what happens as believers, we can say this, well, I have part of the fruits of the Spirit, I just don't have all of them because I'm loving but I'm not very patient, right? I'm, I am, I'm kind but I'm not gentle. And yet, here's what the Word of God says. It says that when we are living by the Spirit, when we're living the life that God has for us, okay, when we're following the path that He's laid out, when we're embracing all that He wants us to be, the evidence of that will be these nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that is a descriptor of what it means to live the life that God has called you to live. Now, first of all, who does not want those qualities in their life, right? Every one of those qualities are things that we would say, yes, God, give me more love in my life. God, let me be more joyful. 
God, I'm, I, I'm thankful that the more time that I spend with you, the more time that I engage in your principles, the more time that I find myself in your presence, that one of the natural byproducts of that is going to be that I can just, that I can breathe and be patient, that I don't have to be anxious about everything. And just like if I were to stand here this morning and hold an orange and describe that orange, we would say this, an orange is round. It is orange. It is juicy. It is sweet. If I were holding a fruit that was round, juicy, sweet, but it was purple, would that be an orange? No. Possibly a plum. And so, when God gives these nine descriptors of the fruit of the Spirit, He gives us a very clear understanding of what it means to live life in accordance with the plan that He has for us. And so, the life that we're supposed to live and the evidence that we're in the space that God wants us to be, living the life that He's called us to live, operating with the disposition that He wants us to have, is that all nine of those elements are going to be evident in our life. Now, here's what I'm confident of. I'm confident that there's no one in the room that is exempt from this statement. Over the next nine weeks, there are some areas in, in my life, there are some areas in your life that God is going to do a convicting work. Maybe for you, it's on the topic of this morning, love. Maybe for you, it's on the topic that we'll cover next week and that, that, that topic of joy. Maybe for you, it'll kick in at week nine when we talk about self-control. Here's what I want you to notice. As we go from week to week, each one of these qualities that God lists through the writings of Paul, each one of them build on one another. And so, when I have a healthy understanding of love, what it does is it gives me an expression of joy. And, and, and when I know that I am loved, and, and when I know that I can walk in genuine love, and this joy just becomes a, a natural byproduct of who I am, what that does is it, it puts me in a place of peace, which allows me to be patient. And a patient person is, is, going to, is going to just organically flow into being kind. Do you see how the, the, the various qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, how they build on one another? Well, let's start with love. Here's what God's Word says in, 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 in John 13. Jesus gives this, gives this statement. He says this, a new command I give you. Now, Jesus is saying this to, to people that, man, their life was nothing but commands. They had all kinds of rules and regulations. And Jesus says, listen, I want to give you one more. Through all the commands that you've got, all the religiosity that you embrace, I want to give you one more command. I want to give you something that, that, that I believe it actually, it, it goes above everything else. And he says, a new command I give you. And, and here it is. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must have love for one another. By this will all men know that you are followers of me or that you're disciples of me, that you have love for one another. Now, according to popular thought, uh, love is something that we fall into and fall out of. Love is 
something that we make on occasion. It is, it is known to produce broken hearts and, and goosebumps. It's, it's known to cause a loss of appetite and starry eyes. According to some, love inspires to die. And, and, and even some say this, strangely enough, some say love inspires to kill. We're told this, that love makes the world go round. And no doubt that is true, but it, it certainly causes a lot of confusion in the process. And so, if, if one of the qualities that we're supposed to have in our life, for our life to be complete, is love, it, it would make sense then that we would have a healthy understanding of, of what love is and what love does. Well, there are two, there are two great scriptures that, that, that give us a, a, a picture of God's disposition towards love. And, and the first is the most familiar scripture in all of the Bible. And in fact, if you've spent any time around church, around church folks, you've heard this one, John 3.16. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And so that tells us God's demonstration of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. There's another John 3.16 that is a a powerful com a companion to, to, the, to the more popular. And that's 1 John. 1 John, it's a, it's, a, it's a book in the Bible. It's a smaller book in the Bible. It's, it's real close to the back. And, and here's what it says. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there to 1 John. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. 1 John. And 1 John 3, 16 tells us this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Well, that really... That complements what John 3.16 said, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John 3.16 tells us the same thing. But it doesn't end there. Here's what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That first part is easy. That second part, not so much. I'm going to say that again. The first part is super easy, isn't it? For God so loved us. It's always great to hear that somebody, that something, right? It's, it's, it's always refreshing to know that we're loved. And, and to know that that, that that demonstration of love is done powerfully. To hear that we're supposed to model that and do likewise, whew, that's, a, that's a whole other animal, isn't it? And yet, that's what we find in 1 John 3, 16. It tells us this, that this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to do the same for our brothers. So, here's what, here's what I, I want to show you this morning, is this, is that a life built on love, I want to look at three qualities of a life built on love, and, and then how we do this, how we build a life of love. The first thing that we see is this, based on, on 1 John 3, 16, that a life built on love, that it it inspires sacrifice. It, it stands in stark opposition to the myth that love is only a feeling. 
In fact, we know that love is, is something that we are supposed to actively engage in, that it's not simply a feeling, that it's not simply something that we, that we can't control because in Colossians 3, it tells us this, and over all these virtues put on love, which means that love is something that we're able to engage in. Love is something that we're able to activate in our life. And, and, and we, we will find this, that over and over again, Scripture supports it, and quite honestly, over and over again, our life empirically proves it, that love is indeed something that we do, and love inspires uh, sacrifice, that, that love always comes with an investment. Love always comes with a cost, and, and that's, what, that's what God's Word says. That this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. There's a, there's a cost to us. Love is not easy. It is patient. It is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always hopes. It always pursues. It always believes, it, it always endures. Love, it never fails. There's an, there's an, there's an energy to it. And it comes. It comes at a price. I think of, I think of every engagement of real love that I have had. And, and it, is, it is required tangible investment. If, if I love sport, there's going to be a tangible investment in it. If I love activity, there's going to be a tangible investment in it. If I love an individual, there's going to be tangible investment in it. If I love God, there's going to be tangible investment in it. And love is alive when it is giving. Love is dying when it's bartering. And love is dead when it's taking. Let me give that to you again. Love is alive when it's giving. Sir, ma'am, do you remember the first time you came to the realization that you loved your husband that you loved your wife? Remember that moment, that first time that you took him by the hand? You remember the first time that you took her by the hand? I, I, remember, I remember the first time that I ever kissed my wife. When I was a youth pastor, <laughs> uh, teenagers used to ask me, because teen teenagers want to know what the appropriate boundaries are, right? I can show this because our junior hires are not in the room. And so they would ask me, they would say, Pastor Ed, like, 
what's the appropriate amount of romantic expression? Right? Like, how far can we go in physical expression, physical romantic expression, and it not be too far? And I would say to them, well, I want you to know this. I did not kiss my wife until after we were married. Isn't that honorable? What I didn't tell them is that before we were married, she wasn't my wife. She was my girlfriend. And as my girlfriend, I kissed her many times. True. Now, we had, we, I will tell you this, we had very healthy boundaries. We had a godly relationship, uh, but we did kiss. And, so, and some of you will go, that's not godly. Well, it was for me, because uh, let me tell you something. I sensed God when I kissed her. And uh, I'm just saying. And I would give her, if I could, I'd give her the world. Do you remember those feelings? If we're not careful, what can happen is this, is that journey can go from giving to bartering. Well, I'll do this for you if you do that for me. How many of you ladies, if that was the approach that your husband took right out of the gate, how many of you would have went, so long, loser? Right? So, an expression of love always starts with giving. Love is alive when it's giving. It is dying when it's bartering. It is dead when it's taking. And this is evidenced by God's posture towards you. God never goes to a bartering posture. He always gives, always gives, always gives, always gives. Now, there are principles of blessing that you'll find over and over again in the Word of God. There are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God that apply specifically to your life. And there are a lot of if-then statements as it relates to God. But none of those if-then statements have to do with His love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, the Word of God says. So God is always giving And so one of the ways that we know that love is healthy in our life is this, is that it gives without an expectation of return. That's what I mean when I say that, that love inspires sacrifice. It also, it, it includes service. Notice this, that that in 1 John, it goes from um, a, a philosophical statement to a very practical understanding. And here's what it says. It says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? See, love is a matter of conduct. It goes beyond how we feel or what we say. Again, let me say this. This, 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 this obliterates the myth that love is somehow uncontrollable, that it's something that we fall into or something that we fall out of. God's Word makes it very clear that love is a responsive thing, that we intentionally engage in. See, it's beyond that ocean of emotion that we feel in those initial moments. And, and love is evidenced 
by service. Let me say that again. Love is evidenced by service. This is why it's important that we embrace and that we understand the principle that we find in Ephesians chapter 2. When, it, when we're told this, that we're saved not by, not, not by works, right? That we're saved by grace through faith, right? And, and of course not by works because lest any man should boast. But the very next verse says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, while love is not generated by works, love is going to generate works. Let me say that again. While love is not generated by works, love is going to generate works. See, genuine love will inspire you to give without an expectation of return. And genuine love will always require active engagement, serving. And genuine love has some substance to it. That's why the very next verse, it says this, 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. If you want to know how valid this scripture is, on your next anniversary, say, honey, I didn't get you anything, I didn't bother with a card, but just wanted to let you know I love you. Valentine's, get, Valentine's Day, give a fist bump. Boop. Right? Christmas. I, here's what I did. I made a contribution to the Starry Nights Fund in your name. Boop. Just see how that goes for you. <laughs> the, the, the reality is this, is that love, no matter how you slice it, it involves substance. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So let me do this. Let me, let me pause and go from preaching to meddling for a moment. One of the things that fascinates me about that statement is the number of folks who are faithful to church attendance but never go beyond spending an hour and a half in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning and then for a prayer time saying, God's neat, let's eat. See, love, real love, it has, it has substance to it. So how do I do this? How do I, how do I, I build a life of love? And uh, let me just say this. It's, uh, it's not that complicated. It starts with by opening our heart. 
by opening our heart. We see that in 1 John 3. It says this. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus laid down his life for us. It all starts with recognizing God, not only are you there, but you're not some big bloodshot eyeball in the sky, lightning bolt in hand, waiting to zap me when I do wrong. God, you have demonstrated and proven over and over again that that you want to be actively involved in my life. And so God, I open myself up to you. Opening our heart. That's a tough thing to do when when past experience is that our heart's been broken. And there there are folks here today that that you you were tender-hearted towards someone and, and, and they took advantage of that. In fact, there are some that, that aren't even here today. They're watching uh, via Facebook Live. They're watching via live stream. And, and you, tune, you tune in every Sunday and you'll even sometimes comment on Facebook. But the idea of going from watching us on a screen to to joining us here in the sanctuary is a very difficult thing for you because you're carrying all these wounds of the past where a group of people or or an institution has done you wrong. And so you live with this very guarded heart. It It is impossible to experience love or to truly love with, without opening our heart. And, and, and what that means is this. It means that, that it, re, it requires some vulnerability. And, and listen, I know that's not easy. In fact, I'm convinced of this, that every one of us in the room can relate on some level or another to having our heart broken. I can remember the first time my heart was broken. Fourth grade. Fourth grade, don't, no, don't laugh at me. You don't understand the depth of my pain. Valentine, look like a, look like a lion, okay? I got this from the girl that in fourth grade was the love of my life. The fact that she gave me a valentine, oh, I was over the moon. I can't believe Missy gave me a valentine. I open it up. There's a lion, king of the jungle, baby. Inside, here's what it says. I'm not lion, be my valentine. She had crossed out not. Wait, it'll, it'll come to you. I'm lion. Be my valentine. Really? I wanted the whale right there in my fourth grade class, but I knew my fourth grade teacher, Miss Carter, who anytime somebody acted out would 
would impale them with a chalkboard eraser that she would just open up rapid fire on me. So I had to sit there quietly in my pain. For some of you here, it goes a lot deeper than a, a fourth grade Valentine card. And that knife cut really, really deep. I want you to know it's worth it to, to open your heart again. The, the second is this, is, is we have to open our eyes. See, here, here's what it says in, in 1 John 3. It says this. If, if those around us are in need and, and we, don't, we don't do something to respond to that need, then the love of God is not in us. Can I share with you a statistic that haunts me? 16,000 children die every day from starvation around the world. 15,980 of those 16,000 children that will die today have never heard the name Jesus. That grips me. It's, it's why, as a church, that we're actively involved in compassion. It's, it's, it's a reason why we will always challenge you to go. It's a reason why we unapologetically champion the cause of missions here at Calvary. Because I want you to imagine today if 47 747s were to go down. That's the equivalent of how many children will die of starvation today. This year, in 2018, the amount of children that will die of starvation equals twice the population of the Orlando area. We have to be involved. We have to be engaged. Love does something. I want you to listen to this number. This is, this, is, this is not hyperbole. I want you to listen to this number. Last year, this church provided 2.1 million meals through your giving. See, we have to open our eyes to what's what's going on in the world around us. And, and, and when we open our heart and we open our eyes, it, it'll require us to open our hands. Don't just love in word, but love in deed, love in action. The, the Lego Ferrari that Drew and I put together, it sat on the shelf for the longest time. And eventually, 
just got cast aside. And all too often, that's what we do in our world. We, we pretend that the missing pieces of our life, that, they're, that it's not an issue. We'll position ourselves to where we look good. And then in time, we just, we just cast people aside. I don't believe that's God's plan. I don't believe that's God's plan for you. I don't believe it's God's plan for the people in our life. But this, this journey that God has us on to being complete, it starts with love. So let me ask you a question. In, in your vertical relationship, okay, your relationship with God, if it's true that love is alive when it is giving, it is dying when it's bartering, it's dead when it's taking, in your connection with God, which is your first and most important relationship, is there a giving on your part? Is there a giving disposition towards God? Not just in word, but also in deed. Or is your posture towards God, God, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this for you. Or is the only time you talk to God when you have a need? Because that's where it starts. How about your relationship with your family? Love is alive when it's giving. It's dying when it's bartering. It's dead when it's taking. How about your relationship with your classmates, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your friends. Love is alive when it is giving. It is dying when it's bartering. It's dead when it's taking. Well, God has brought you here this morning. And he's brought you here to maybe to begin for the first time or to renew with him this love journey that will filter out to everything else in your life. For God so loved, he gave. This is how we know what love is. God gave. Would you receive the love that he makes available to you today and allow that love to influence every part of who you are? 
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.